Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into this Soft Verbal podcast. You'll hear from Lane Kiffin here in a minute. You'll also hear from uh, Zach Barry. He and I both uh, spent some time talking after uh, Lane Kiffin's press conference earlier today. This uh, podcast brought to you by the fine people at Dead Soxy, don't forget, go to deadsoxy.com, enter promo code HOLIDAYPRO at checkout, get 35% off your order. Not too late to get those the best socks you'll ever put on your feet uh, to you in time for Christmas. Uh, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number, call it, ask for Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple, it's that easy, uh, give him a call. I tell him what you're looking for. He'll send you the quote. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, but I recommend that you do. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Zach Barry will join me in a little bit on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford open this weekend. Highly suggest that you drop by if you're doing some Christmas shopping. If you're going in to watch some of the games, Ole Miss and LSU. 2.30 on Saturday in Baton Rouge. The game's on the SEC Network. And you can watch it at Rafters. Enjoy there are uh, food specials, the burgers, po'boys, uh, drink specials as well. All of that at Rafters, music and food on the square in Oxford and in New Albany. So uh, earlier today, we uh, had a Zoom call with Lane Kiffin. Did about 15 minutes with him. I'll play that for you. Then we'll come back and Zach Barry and I will evaluate what went right, what went wrong, where they go from here for the Ole Miss uh, football signing class. I will tell you that we taped this uh, before – uh, we found out that Brian Young, Byron Young, I should say, has uh, signed with Tennessee, which was a shock, I think, to most everybody. Uh, t- I heard from some of my friends who cover South Carolina who were like, oh, yeah, well, that's what I saw coming, sarcastically. I didn't either. Don't know what, really what that means. We'll um, we'll talk about that moving forward in the next couple of days. Still a, a little bit left to be done. Malik McLean's out there. Uh, Quay Davis is out there. There's some things that still have to happen before this early portion of the recruiting class can have a bow put on it and all wrapped up nice and neat. And then, uh, of course, there's the uh, February period where all eyes will be on uh, Taiwan Malone. But for now, here is Ole Miss football coach Lane Kiffin earlier today. Yeah, so when we talk numbers here and things, um, you know, obviously there's still stuff going on. So discuss um, guys that we have papers. So... Uh, we have 23 signees, um, three junior college kids, <clears throat> a really good part of 16 mid-years. So especially as we know we need defensive help. Um, if you watched our games this year, you know that. And so <clears throat> we knew we needed to sign defensive players, especially defensive line and, and secondary, you know, with a lot of returning linebacker numbers that we have. So. <clears throat> Of the 13 defensive players so far, 11 of those guys are mid-years, which is huge because if we need guys to help next year, obviously them being here next month, some of them even being here next week, 
for bowl practices um, will be huge. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a really good class. You know, we got to remember, you know, where we're at with the COVID issues. Um, I've said when it, that happened in these dead periods, you know, that would, you know, the schools, the bigger schools that had, you know, been winning over the last few years, you know, I think that that was going to help them because if kids can't go visit places, it's hard to win them over. You know, you can't go in their homes, they can't come see you. So I think a lot of times kids are just going to go with what they know, maybe what they've already seen or, you know, what, who's been playing in major bowl games the last few years. So I think our assistant coaches did a really good job utilizing the Zooms and trying to do the best that we could. You know, kids not coming here, which I think is one of the strong points here, the game day environment, the pregame, the town, the university. So just made the most of situation that we were in. And I think with that being said, you know, to sign a top 20 class, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to our recruiting people and, um, and our assistant coaches. Parrish, go ahead with a question. Lane, the word commitment gets thrown around a lot in recruiting, but when you hear that a player is committed to another school, does, does that change your approach or what, what is your approach to recruiting a player that has been committed? Uh, it doesn't mean anything, you know. Tell a kid signs really doesn't mean anything. They're committed. All it does is tell you, you know, who who your challenge is, who you're going against. So <clears throat> that's why we don't push for early commitments. Which, if you look at us, you know, month two ago, I'm sure that everybody thought we suck, you know, and can't recruit. So um, there's kind of a plan when you've been doing this long enough. So we we don't care about early commitments. But other guys and a number of our guys that signed today, you know had told us a long time ago they were coming and we told them not to put it out. So um, it's all it's all game until they sign. What? Uh, how do you project uh, uh, MJ Daniels? Uh, one position, more than one position, two sides of the ball. What, what do you all see for him? Uh, I think potentially could play a little bit. Uh, definitely a special teams offense, um, but primarily a defensive player. Uh, one that could play corner, safety, nickel. We talked about all the spots, and um, really good player, really good late get, and um, you know to have those papers this morning while everybody else was watching, you know his press conference and all that was pretty exciting. John, go ahead. Lane, um, what did you kind of see from Luke Altmaier that really uh, stood out to you, and, and what are your like kind of thoughts on him, and, and what do you think he's going to kind of bring to to your team? Well, I think he's got special talent. I think he's a natural leader, um, really good family, uh, good feet, quick release, good arm angle throws. Uh, just really excited about him. And I think you could see some of his leadership in the way that he recruited. I think that really, I think people say, what was the turn in recruiting? I think one was on field performance, you know, by us playing well and showing, you know, our players having fun, excitement, the uniforms, uh, the energy, and, um, and then I think the second thing was Luke turning, you know, kind of became a cool thing to do. And, and he helped recruit these guys, too. And I know, obviously, um, Matt's coming back. But do you, do you kind of see a, a scenario where Luke could really challenge Matt for that starting uh, quarterback job? Uh, I don't think that. But um, we think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Um, I don't think he's going to beat out Matt. Um, I think Matt's going to come back as the number one 
quarterback in all, all of college football. And I think his numbers this year, um, you know, are as good as anybody in the country. And so, you know, we got, <clears throat> I'd take him over anybody. And I love Mac, um, but I think this kid's really unique, really special, and um, and just our, just his first semester with us on the field. David, go ahead. Lane, you mentioned the uh, mid-year enrollees, and some of them will be joining the team next week. Have you got an idea of the number of those guys that'll be with y'all next week? And secondly, how do you begin to integrate those guys into bowl practices? I don't know that yet. You know, we don't know what bowl we're in, so we don't know the date of that and, and how far back till we start practices. So we got no idea about that stuff. And I do not know which ones will be here next week. Um, I just know that as of now, I think as of now, we got 16 that'll be here in January. How do you, how do you integrate the ones that will be there if there's an opportunity for them to practice? Well, they, they're, they're going to do more just basic stuff with us just to get a feel for them, probably go play service team for us to prepare for the bowl opponent. Um, you know, we won't have enough time to integrate them in, you know, with our ones and twos, obviously, because they won't be playing in the game. Nick? Lane, you talked about making those pushes for the DBs and the defensive linemen. What kind of is the pitch to those guys when they're seeing the on-field product and they know there's that chance to play early, maybe? Is that kind of what the pitch is for you guys? Yeah, just don't watch the game. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> whenever you are performing you know, not well on the side of the ball. Um, you don't like that, but that's, but there is a recruiting side to it too. You know, just like if you're a really bad team, you know, period on all sides and kids say, okay, I can go there and play quicker. So um, luckily that's just the case on defense right now here. So um, I think these guys saw that, you know, these guys had a lot of choices of places to go, very highly recruited kids. And um, I think they saw chance to come play early in the SEC um, at, a, at a program that really is, you know, a few stops away from, you know, being in the top top 15 probably. You've, uh, it seems like a lot of the defensive backs that you target in this class are guys who can play corner safety, nickel, all of the positions. What's, what's the advantage of going after these guys who can be super versatile in the backfield? Yeah, it just helps the coordinator, you know, that he can play a lot of different things and, and you can disguise things and all of a sudden, you know, your nickel's going back to play the middle third or deep half. And so <clears throat> the better players you can get, the more athletic players you can get, the better. Um, you know, we've always tried to even find, you know, quarterbacks that end up being DBs so, you know, that they got, you know, really good field awareness to play all the different spots. Nancy. Coach, talk about the job that Deke uh, Adams has done for this class. I know Ole Miss has had trouble with the defensive line over the uh, past few classes. Just kind of talk about the job he did. Did a really good job. Um, <clears throat> we're still going. Um, hopefully two more there. So, um, and a huge need. We said DBs and D-line, but D-line number one. Um, you know, you, you guys know it better than me. That, you know, there's been a struggle here the last few years. And, you know, when we got here, we saw that, unfortunately, you know, with lack of depth there. So, <clears throat> big need for us. and. Something that was hard to address in the first class just because we got here so late. Hello, question uh, with the defensive backs. I believe my count is you got nine defensive backs that's going to enter the January camp. Uh, report to you in January. How do you implement so many new guys going in there? 
I got eight, so um, and all eight are mid years, which is crazy, which is awesome because you're talking about eight high school kids, not junior college kids for eight high school mid years. That's that's pretty amazing. So uh, they'll be in there, and that position obviously plays a lot of special teams too, um, which is great. Thank you. Yep. Nick. Do you have a number in mind of how many people you want to take in February, or are you going to kind of try and stay flexible like you did last year? We're always flexible. Um, this is challenging because, you know, there were a number of kids that wanted to come today that we had to say no to just because of, you know, free agency that's coming. So it's really like there's this was signing day, then there's another signing day in February. So how many spots are you going to leave for that? Then you got free agency coming up for the first time in in college football history, you know, with the one-time transfer, which <clears throat> telling you going through these numbers, these schools aren't going to have many spots. So this one-time transfer thing is great for kids and everybody wants it, but it's not going to be that great for kids in the end because there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of kids that think they're going somewhere and there's no spots because we're capped now too with this other cap the last couple of years. So unfortunately, all these kids are thinking they're going to go somewhere and they're not going to have places to go. You kind of bring up that idea of having to tell kids that want to come that they can't. How difficult are those conversations, and how do you handle those situations where you think you can take a kid and then last minute you can't? It's difficult. You know, it happens everywhere, but it happens especially when, you know, you kind of start the year slow from a recruiting standpoint, you know, just because we hadn't been here. And remember, we're signing a lot of these kids we've never met in person. So it was a strange year. And then when all this energy started happening in the program and you know, like the shirt they sent me, exciting team, you know, and these kids say it. Um, all of a sudden, I wish we had 50 scholarships, you know. Very, very different than 12 months ago. Our program's in a much different place. The way that people view our program, specifically parents and recruits, than 12 months ago. I mean, it's like we're at a different school. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, Lane, uh, I saw your Twitter feed today. You're having some fun. Um, I know you've been wearing the flipness shirts, and I saw you retweet something referring to, to Jackson State. Um, I guess for you, what's your reaction on what you and Dion have done during this recruiting period with flipping some big, big time names? Well, I was just said retweet if you didn't lose anybody to Jackson State, so we didn't, so I just hit retweet. Um, that's awesome what he's doing. Um, Really neat, really cool. I mean, I walked by the TV on the way to practice. He's on ESPN today. And so I've said it before, you know, you hire a head coach, sometimes it helps your football program. Sometimes you hire a unique head coach, it helps your entire university and changes the perception of your university and the amount of energy and, um, you, know, you know, about a, how many kids want to go to the school, how many applications come in. So, you know, it's why football has always, you know, always been the driving forces at schools. I'm sure that's happening there. David, go ahead. Lane, you signed the kicker, Caden Costa, in this class. Uh, if you would, just kind of tell us what you what you think he's going to bring to the program that you used the scholarship on a kicker. Well, <clears throat> you know, this position's hard to evaluate, obviously, um, for everybody, but especially in college because it's not like the NFL where you have all the time with them. So you end up – we've always kind of ended up leaning on people that that's their thing. You know, um, Chris Saylor, other people that work with the kids and stuff. So, um, you know, those people raved about him. I think that he won a lot of areas in the kicking camp, you know, that they had. Had him in number one in a number of areas. So I've always said, you know, if you find a special one, 
put them on scholarship. Everybody wants to do the walk-on thing. And so, well, that sounds great. Everybody say, oh, don't waste a scholarship. You know, until you're at the end of the game, you lose the game for wide right. So um, I bet Ed Ogeron's pretty happy that he's got a kicker on scholarship. So after Saturday. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, Lane, just with your class uh, that, that you're bringing in, I guess in your experience um, and even the situation that you are in now, what do you think is the year that you'll kind of get the return on your investment in these recruits? I've heard, I've heard coaches say, you know, you only see what players can reach a potential maybe three years after they come in. I guess for you, what what's kind of that time frame for you do you want to see a return? Well, we've never stayed anywhere that long, so I'm not really sure how that works. But um, that was a joke. Okay, Joe. Um, I, I think, yeah, a lot of times year three, especially with high school kids, um, you know, but I think because of all the transfers that are going to happen at places and stuff, I think you're going to see more than ever, you know, you're going to be forced to play play kids, you know, in their first year. So I, I think you'll see an impact next year. Nick? Just for Saturday, did all the tests you expected this week come back clean? Are you back it up? as close to full sled as you can be? We are. Um, we are back. Um, the last guys are trickling in here yesterday and today. Um, and I think we've been three or four tests in a row with nothing. So hopefully we can keep that up here for the next few days. That was Lane Kiffin, of course. Uh, Ole Miss and LSU, Saturday at 2.30. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are still out. I got a question in the thread there just then about uh, Ty Cooper. Uh, it might have been on the site. I don't know rebelgrove.com if you're not a subscriber really would appreciate it if you join that'd be cool uh i don't know what's going to happen there he hasn't signed with anybody there's some talk that he might wait until the february period now uh he still has a couple of days there's a couple of wide receivers that are out there you'll hear zach and i talk about it in a minute quay davis malik mclean i think it looks pretty good for Ole miss on both and again uh, we talked about byron young in the interview you're about to hear with zach and myself and it appears that he has signed with Tennessee, which was a shock, I think, to just about everybody, maybe including Tennessee. So um, that's recruiting, which is sometimes crazy. Today was a pretty predictable day for, for uh, Ole Miss. They closed well. For the most part, still have a couple of guys to go. So uh, we'll talk about all of that and more here with uh, Zach. So uh, we taped this right after that interview with, uh, with Kiffin. So it was about, I don't know, a couple of hours ago, maybe a little less. So here is uh, Zach Barry and myself with the Soft Verbal Podcast. Zach, uh, welcome into the show. Appreciate you being here. You've done uh, phenomenal work over the last, I don't know, months, weeks, um, years, I don't know, long time uh, on this class. So it's signing day. Most everything's done. There's a few things left over. Uh, I'll, I'll start grilling you on some of the stuff that's left over in just a minute, but just all in all as we tape this at 3.33 on um, Wednesday the 16th. What are your thoughts on the class? Uh, I, you know, I was starting to put together uh, a, a recap column of this class, and the, the two words that jumped out to me were needs and versatility. Uh, I think they addressed a ton of needs on the defensive side of the football. I don't think it's any um, secret to anyone that that was a big-time need for this class, and uh, they got it done. Just running through the list here, um, they've got a ton of defensive back signees in there, but you're looking at some of the highest-rated uh, prospects that they signed. Dink Jackson, the linebacker, Kendrick Breedlove, defensive back, 
Uh, Tysheem Johnson listed as an athlete, but he's just going to play everywhere. Um, Chris Partridge mentioned that, said they're even going to give him a look on offense, but a highly rated defensive back prospect. And then you've got the two Juco defensive tackles that they signed, Isaiah Iton and Jamon Gordon. I think that those two are going to be uh, day one instant impact contributors. And then at the high school level, you've got Markevious Brown, the defensive back from IMG Academy. MJ Daniels was honestly the only real surprise slash drama that we had today. They flip him from Mississippi State, the U.S. All-American Bowl selection, big-time uh, talent there despite the 5.73 star rating. Um, just a very, very versatile guy that I get. I think gives, they have so many guys that give them flexibility now. You've got different prospects that can play corner, safety. Um, I think Tashim Johnson's going to be a nickel corner guy going to play close to the line of scrimmage a lot. And then uh, up front defensively, J.J. Hawkins and Demarcus Smith, two long, big, athletic guys that uh, are going to be able to give some quality depth, probably need a redshirt year just to get bigger, faster, stronger, learn the playbook. But I think those are definite year two guys that are going to be in the two deep. Okay, and you left one out that I think's big. And I've had this conversation with three or four people in the last day and a half. I think Luke Altmaier has a chance to be a long-term quarterback of the future. I know there are other big names out there. I know about Arch Manning. I get it. I get it. There's, there's, there's this assumption, number one, that's that started to float around that Arch Manning to Ole Miss is a sure thing. And, 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 and listen, Ole Miss is in it, but it's not a sure thing. It's not a sure thing for anybody right now. There's a lot of a lot that has to happen between now and, and then. And, and I don't know if he had to sign today that Ole Miss would have more than a coin toss chance. I don't do that to pull any cold water. I do it to point out Luke Altmaier is – I think potentially a three-year starter at the college level. Yeah, and and I, you know, I love his game. I've seen him play in person. Yeah, I've him on film. I've seen I've, I've seen different things that he does. I like everything about him, and he has every single intangible that you look for in a quarterback. He's smart. He's a leader. Kids follow him. He's charismatic. There's a lot there that kids like. And then on top of that, he's got a really good arm. He's got good feet. He's got a good release. He's, he's accurate. He doesn't have Matt Corral's arm, but 99.9% of quarterbacks don't have Matt Corral's arm. Yeah. I don't know if that really matters. He's got a better arm than a lot of the quarterbacks that Lane Kippen's had in his past at, at multiple stops. This is a kid that I think is potentially a really, really impact quarterback. Uh, you just heard, if you're listening to this, you just heard um, – Lane asked about uh, Luke and whether he could play next year. And, and, and Lane <laughs> talked about how Matt's the he, Lane, Matt is, in, in Lane's opinion, the number one returning quarterback in the country next season. There are some people in the NFL that agree. So that, that's a hell of a lot of pressure. But here's a guy. I mean, look, if, if, if Matt Corral's as good as I think he is, as Lane Kiffin thinks he is, as some NFL people think he is, next year's his last year at Ole Miss. This is a guy that walks in behind that, ready to go, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, didn't mean to bury the lead there. Uh, I'll do respect to Luke. Uh, we were going to get to to the offensive guys uh, yeah. eventually. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I told you that he reminded me a lot of, of Corral. Um, Sands the arm talent, which like you said, not many people have it, but has really good feet. I, I saw him in the Elite 11 setting earlier this year and um, 
you know, looks good in every combine drill, looks good with every throw. Um, the one thing that, that, that scouts and, and analysts that I've talked to, the, the one thing they say a lot about him is his off-platform throws are really good, and he, he never looks uncomfortable, whether that's in the pocket, whether that's moving. Uh, he, he always looks comfortable and looks confident in every throw that he makes, and I think that the accuracy is there. And then, yeah, I mean, he's, he's 6'2", 190, and I think that that's something that uh, is, is going to help him as he gets ready for the college level and, and prepares to take over for Corral in a couple of years. Got Hudson Wolf, the big tight end. That was, a, I thought, a big get for them. Um, we're not going to break the class down. Uh, you, you, you agree. I agree with everything you just said about where they got needs and they, they filled spots and they got some versatility and they got guys who can be impact players. Wolf is a guy who I think is uh, potentially a, a traditional tight end who can also hurt you in, in the open field. He's very athletic, can do a lot of different things. I mean, he's a big-time get. A lot of people wanted him. That's a, that's a big get for for um, Lane Kiffin and his staff. Let's talk about what they didn't get, and, and then we'll talk about what's left. The two things that stand out that they didn't get, they, they need linebackers. There aren't a lot of linebackers here. Now, that doesn't mean much because, uh, you know, they can get into the um, into the transfer portal. As Lane refers to it, it's free agency, and he's right. He was exactly right today where he talked about this is probably going to end up not being good for kids. A lot of kids are going to make egregious transfer errors and cost themselves college scholarships. But it is what it is, and he's going to take advantage of it. But there, there aren't linebackers here. What, are you, what, if anything, do you make of that? You know, I, I mentioned Dink Jackson, and I think that he's somebody that is just under 200 pounds, but they have him listed as a linebacker. I think he's going to play outside linebacker in this defense. He's going to need to get a little bit bigger to be able to be effective, in my eyes, at the SEC level. Now, that's not to say he can't make plays. Um, he he kind of reminds me, if we're talking former players, he's got a lot of Tony Connor in him. He, he's, he's, he's lean and he's long, and he makes a ton of plays. He's real aggressive. But the, the lack of linebackers here, they, they went big. They tried to flip Junior Colson from Michigan, uh, didn't get it done. That was, that was going to be a tough ass no matter what. Um, the only real, I guess, glaring miss in this class is, is John Lewis. And you and I both – were completely shocked when that happened. Uh, I think I think he caught everybody off guard. Um, not many people expected him to commit, uh, much less to Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss had the lead at, at one point, and and got to give credit to Mike Leach and his staff for, for getting that done because he's a he's a hell of a prospect. But yeah, the the last what are they got today? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The the sourcing was lacking over there, I guess, but. Um, but yeah, I mean they, they need they need to find I don't know if it'll be the portal or they're gonna focus get on the sources. Need to get some new sources. <laughs> yeah. Uh Trevin Wallace, uh he's out there still. He's waiting until February. The shakeup at Auburn cost him to wait. A lot of people were concerned and, and, and thought, well, if it was down to, to Ole Miss and Auburn, Auburn makes a coaching change. Why doesn't he just go ahead and sign? Well, it, he's probably wanting to wait and see who, who Auburn hires because Kevin Steele, as you know, is if you want to call Trevin and tell him, I, I can tell Trevin who the who the coach is going to be. So <laughs> Yeah, um, so if, I, if it helps me make, make his decision one way or the other, tell him it's it's going to be Kevin Steele. So if that's yeah. what he likes, he should sign with Auburn. If that's not what he likes, he should not sign with Auburn. 
That's, I'm, 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 I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to help Steve and the people out there get better sources. I'm trying to help Trevin with his decision. I'm not steering it one or the other. I mean, if it's up to me, he waits till February. I get the ULM job. He comes with me, and we get our first four-star. But I, I don't like my chances there. Mm. Two-sport guy. He water skis, too. Um, man. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're either going to um, – they're going to push for Wallace, um, and there might be some names that start popping up. Uh, once once things start getting narrowed down uh, as the uh, calendar turns to 2021, they're going to start scrolling down the list of their board and looking at the guys that that didn't sign anywhere, and they're going to try to uh, to make inroads. If they don't, I anticipate them going, uh, you know, either waiting until 2022 or looking into the transfer market. We've said it on this show dozens of times we said it on the board, they're not going to to force the issue. If they don't think that they can find someone that's that fits with fits their mold, can can be an instant impact guy, they're not gonna they're not gonna just sign a body. they they don't have the the scholarships to do that. They're they're going to be selective yep. and save spots. Okay, they need a defensive lineman. They did well. They're gonna get Tyron Malone in February in my opinion. Yeah. It's my understanding that they sent an NRI to uh, Byron Young. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that as of 3.43, they haven't gotten it back yet. Uh, I had speculated a little bit earlier today that I thought maybe Ole Miss had his paperwork. I'm, I'm informed that they don't. Yeah. That there's still multiple schools in on him. Uh, so his, his, his is a name that I'm interested to get your thoughts on. And then the other, of course, is uh, Ty Cooper, the Louisville, Mississippi player. Mm-hmm. Who, to my knowledge, has not signed anywhere today. Mm-mm. Yeah, Young is a guy that that, that we started uh, keeping an eye on the last couple weeks from Georgia Military College. He's originally from uh, South Carolina. Uh, the Gamecocks are after him. I know Shane Beamer has made him a focal point for this class. And then Auburn uh, probably could potentially still be in it with Kevin Steele, like you said, being retained. And then you've got Georgia and uh, LSU have uh, offered him as well. I mean, Ole Miss, the last time I spoke with with a few sources was in good shape for him. They really like him. Deke Adams has been recruiting him pretty hard. And, and look, you asked about linebacker. I've looked at his film, and, and I think that, that he could be someone that uh, – I think he could easily play a 3-4 linebacker uh, position. He can stand up. He can get out in coverage. He can make plays in the open field. Um, now, it's the junior college level – but he's shown some versatility to be able to, to slide down inside and beat slower guards and tackles. I don't think he can do that in the SEC. He's only 240, 245. He's going to play on the edge at the next level. Um, he's definitely a name to know and somebody to keep an eye on. Um, the Gamecocks are pushing hard, um, but he's got to make a decision the next couple of days where he wants to go. And then what about Cooper? Because I think earlier in the day, I, I, I got some buzz that uh, – Cooper was talking to Ole Miss. There's been some reports that Cooper was talking to LSU. We went into the day thinking Cooper was going to Mississippi State, and I guess he still conceivably could, but as of this hour, it doesn't appear that he's signed with Mississippi State yet. What's happening there? Well, I, I, I talked to him after he got home from the uh, Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. I talked with some some Mississippi State sources, and we both kind of had the same the same notion that while he was in Montgomery, he wasn't going to talk any recruiting. He wasn't going to do any interviews. He wanted to, you know, take a break and just go have fun with, with some guys playing the all-star game. 
and then get back and, and make a decision. Uh, the last time I had talked with him, he decided he was going to wait until February. I think he wanted to, to kind of recalibrate and see what else was out there. Missouri's coming after him hard. And then obviously Ole Miss and State would really like to sign him. I thought all signs pointed to Starkville. Um, it seems like he's trying to find a landing spot. I'd heard those same rumblings earlier today yeah. that maybe he had reached back out to Ole Miss. At this point, with how tight the numbers are, and uh, we, we saw how things shook out on Tuesday with, with McKeelan Pounders and him leaving the class, they're, they're really tightening the vice Kiffin well, said they said no to some today, and I'm wondering if Cooper is one of those. I, I can't. It could be. I can't prove that, but but I, with, with Byron I, Young out there, it could very well be. So uh, South Carolina has not received Byron Young's paperwork either, and I think it's down to those two. I do too. Um, yeah, LSU's. I don't think LSU has room. They've got some, you know, Mason Smith. They've got some bigger fish out there, and then I don't think Georgia has room either. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's down to the Gamecocks and and the Rebels. Um, but, yeah, maybe it's either or. Um, I can't really say. You know, our sources can only go so far. Um, and I, I don't I don't know that verbatim. But if you made me – if you if you pin me down, I, I think it's going to be either Young or Cooper for that last defensive line, defensive end, outside linebacker role. Because Cooper is kind of that same player. Yeah. Um, 245. He, he's super athletic. I, I like both prospects. I don't know how much you've seen of either or, but I like both of their games. They're kind of similar. Um, I would say Young might be a tad bit more explosive and a little longer. Yeah. Um, and I think he is being that junior college, being a little more mature, probably someone that can play day one. Cooper probably needs to fine tune a bit and probably needs a red shirt. But I think they'd be happy with taking either or. But for now, I think Young is, has got the leg up on him. You mentioned um... – McCollum Pounders almost dropped him on Tuesday. Let's just call it like it is. Um, you know, I, I, it's my understanding. I'll, I'll take you off the spot here. I'll make this easy for you. It's my understanding that when he flipped to Ole Miss, Ole Miss said, look, we like you. And we'll take you, but understand that your spot could get squeezed out. Mm. And it got squeezed out. And people, yeah. say, people might say, well, that sucks. And it does, but it's part of the game. And, you know, the, the one thing that – I get questions sometimes from parents and stuff, I guess because I, I've known people at different places, and they'll say, what would you do? And my, my answer is always the same. If you know where you want to go and you have an offer, take it and chill, but don't stop talking to people because you never know you might – get squeezed out and you need to have other options you need to keep an open mind you need to look around all those things but i get to i say that to get to this they did sign some offensive linemen some big kids i mean Jaden williams michael pettis cedric nicely um i guess those are the three they left themselves mm -hmm. to moon um i've heard some rumblings in the grad transfer portal about a, a, an offensive tackle that's out there um, and there's going to be multiple offensive tackles out there. Um, mm -hmm. I've just happened to hear one specifically, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. But um, what, what did you think of, of that decision on, on Pounders? I'll be honest. If Pounders were from Missouri, I, for example, I don't think anybody would care. 
If Powers is from Texas, I don't think anybody would care. He's a Mississippi kid. There's a hang-up on that. I understand it. It's home state pride and all of that. I get it. But at the end of the day, with today's transfer market rules, the way that they are, if you can't help pretty quick, I just don't know that there's a lot of places for you at the Power 5 level. Well, we talked about this the other night when, when everything went down, and I've been – I've been told that they were very honest with him. And like you said, that you, yeah, we'll take your commitment. We like you as a player. Your spot might need to be taken if numbers get tight. And I think that they let him know that. And by my, you know, by all accounts, I think McKeelan was fine with that. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And for all we know, when everything went down, they could have said, hey, you know, let's, let's sit down. Let's, let's, let's talk this over make sure that, that we could find you a, a nice landing spot. And look, McKeelan signed with Memphis. That's a good group of five program. He's going to be just fine. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like it. They say it's a bad look. That's, that's kind of the nature of the business, Neil, and, and you know this as well as I do as long as you've been, been doing this. That's just how things operate. It's, it's cutthroat, and when, it, when, when numbers get tight like they do, Coaches have to make those tough decisions, and uh, Pounders was, you know, unfortunately let go. But he found a landing spot. He's fine. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned the other three offensive linemen that they took, and, and yeah, when you, look at, when you look at the height weight, I mean, all 6'5", all very big, very agile. Um, you know, Jaden Williams was the guy that came on late that was kind of out of nowhere. Nobody really knew who he was. He's a two-sport guy, plays basketball at Conway. Um, from, from what I've heard, he's a pretty damn good basketball player. So he's got good feet. Um, so that's something that, that I know that they like. And they're probably all three redshirt candidates, which is not the worst case. You, you've got a, a pretty nice, I would say, a, a quality, quality room over there right now. Um, you, you've got some guys that they've played, uh, you know, like Caleb Ram. Uh, Caleb Warren has played a lot this year, so they've, they've played some young guys, so they're not in desperate need of immediate impact. But like you said, there might be an offensive tackle out there in the portal that they can snatch up with Royce Newman leaving. So all is not lost. I, I wouldn't be concerned about that. They were very picky with who they took at the offensive line position, and uh, they got some some good some good frame. Uh, I think six five, um, yeah, nicely six five, and then. Uh, Pettis is 6'7", the big dude, and then uh, Williams is 6'5", so a um, lot of length uh, there. So I, not the big four-star, five-star that you want, but good prospects. Yeah, we'll talk about that part of it in just a second. Okay, one other position that I think we have to address, and that's wide receiver. Uh, there had been some talk about Malik McClendon. I going to say kicker. No, um, no, they, they signed a kicker. Yeah. I thought it was smart. Go get a kicker. He's a damn good one. Lane made a good point. Because Ed Ogeron's glad he has a kicker on scholarship today. (laughs) That's right, yeah. I mean, it's fair. Yeah. Might have bought him another year. You don't want one until you need one. And then you wish you had one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Malik McClain. So, that was supposed to happen today until it got moved to Friday. Some people have tried to build in excuses for this. There's a little drama around this. Um, there's another prospect involved in this. 
his name's out there. I don't know why. I, mean, I guess because we sort of agreed, hey, we, we won't mention his name. But there, there is some stuff out there. What are you, what are you hearing here late on, on Wednesday as to what's going to happen with Malik McLean? So I never got a straight answer. Um, Malik, once he decommitted, he has not said anything. Um, he's been very quiet, but all signs point to Ole Miss. Luke Altmeyer was very instrumental in, in the decommitment and recruiting him to Ole Miss. Um, from IMG Academy, some familiarity there with Markevious Brown being in this class with a teammate. This is my theory, and look, I could be completely wrong. I think there, it's a very good possibility. He just wanted to get back home to Daphne. He's from Daphne, Alabama. Could want to get back home, be around family, and then just sign then. Um, you know, IMG Academy probably had 20 dudes sign early today. Um, maybe wanted to have his own day. Maybe he wanted to be around family. You know, I was talking to Chase about this earlier, and I joked, and I was joking, but it could be right. You know, who knows? Malik's parents couldn't get off work today. Maybe they can get off work on Friday. So he wanted to, to, to you know, have his parents there or have, you know, his grandma there. I don't know. He's got till Friday to sign, but as of right now, I've talked with some Florida State guys. They're pushing, but I haven't heard anything to push me off of uh, – my prediction for him to join this class. Okay. Uh, the other name that's out there is Quay Davis. Yeah. And they, want, and they want both. I mean, they want both. What's going to happen with, uh, with Quay? I've, I've heard from uh, people at South Carolina, they're pushing for him. I think there's a, uh, there's a frustration there that they feel like they're losing him. I know Florida state thinks he's going to Ole Miss. They're still pushing hard. What do you, what do you think happens there? Yeah. Ole Miss offered, uh, they they like his game. Um, I think he's he's somebody that can give them. You know, here's that word again, Neil. Versatility. Uh, yep. He can play in the slot, but he can also play on the outside. He's six one, every bit of two ten. Um, pretty good route runner for a junior college player. Um, I watched some of his film. Um, really good in and out of breaks. Gets uh, gets on top of defenders really quickly, and then uh, can can really run away from guys. He's he's got some sneaky speed. I, Look, I, I think they want both him and McLean. They want to add as many receivers as they can because this offense likes to go fast and they like to play a lot of guys. They can't play a lot of guys if they don't have receivers that they think can get out there and get the job done. They want to keep reloading that offense. I mean, this is the the number one offense in the country in terms of yards per game. They're just – look, they, they got something to sell. I mean, that product, you know, sells itself on the field. Um we talked about that before the season started about how probably the biggest thing that this recruiting class needed was for the season to happen. Can't have official visitors. You can't do face to face. So that product on the field was their probably the biggest catalyst for looking at a top 20 class today. All right. So all in all, big picture, we talked about you and I talked pandemic. I don't know what 30 times on the South bubble podcast. It was a pandemic. They, uh, they, they, they were unable to do any live recruiting after February. So they had a month to work in person on this class. Yeah. Um, that's not typically enough. No. They're going to finish, I don't know, somewhere between 16 and 19. Let's call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a win, isn't it? I mean, this is a, this is, if this isn't an A+, plus, it's, an, it's, it's a solid A. I think right? so. 
I do. I, I, you know, I was before today, I was hovering in that B plus area with the lack of linebackers, but look, I mean, this is a deep class. And like I said, they addressed a ton of needs. You've got, um, you know, going by rating. I mean, you've got a top 100 tight end. That's uh, as Joe John Finley called him today. He's an, he's an every down legitimate tight end who can do it all. He can catch and block. And then you've got um, Braylon Brown, uh, a rivals 250 receiver. But then you, you run through the defensive signees, Breedlove, Dink Jackson, Tysheem Johnson, Iton, Gordon, Brown, Daniels. I mean, th- they've got so many corners. And uh, versatility is, is, is the word here. I mean, guys that can play all over the second level and the third level. And then up front, I, I think the defensive line is uh, probably the sneaky group in this class. They've, they've got a lot that they like there. And then, look, I mean, make all the jokes you want, but Elijah Sabatini, a guy like that, big-time get. Yeah, it's a Mississippi guy, but this isn't some Mississippi-made mantra here. This is a guy that Georgia offered and wanted. They were able to keep him. And then uh, MJ Daniels made the big splash today. I mean, Georgia and Texas A&M wanted him bad. And I mentioned he was a, a, a U.S. All-American selection so he, he, you know, played in the Mississippi-Alabama game. He shined in all of those one-on-one drills in Montgomery last week. Um, yeah, Mississippi State was was fighting tooth and nail until this morning when it was all said and done. They wanted to keep him. They knew the, how important he was to that class. And then another guy, the word versatility comes back up here. We hadn't even talked about him. Brandon Buckhalter, another Mississippi guy, can play receiver, could also play some safety. I mean, you want to talk about it physically imposing – Six three two ten, coming down and run support is awfully uh, awfully frightening for folks. If uh, if he if he chooses to play defense, if they want him over there, I think he's a hell of a receiver and gives them another pass catcher that is big. I mean, they're I really think they've done a lot this year with the offense without a physically big guy. I mean, Elijah Moore is Elijah Moore, but then Drummond and Braylon Sanders and Mingo they're not really huge. Um, so that they kind of got a little bit of everything, Neil. And then, you know, February, it, it, it could come down to, to one, and that's going to be Taiwan Malone, and that's, that's going to be the absolute jewel of this class. And uh, right now I'd say that Ole Miss is poised to add him. And, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a slam dunk. I mean, that, that could be borderline A+. Plus. It could literally be just a one-person February class, right? It could be. If, if Wallace sticks with Auburn, and then the only other name that I've – that I think is out there is the junior college offensive lineman, Jordan Moko, but it's Juco. Nobody really knows what he's doing. He's, he's back in Australia right now. So what, what that lets them do also is turn the page to this 2022 class, which is going to be vital. And I think most of us agree. I'm starting to hear more and more buzz that come April 15, they're going to lift the dead period moratorium. That'd be huge. Some people have said they might extend it to June one, and then and then lift it, which fine, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I do think I do think they're going to lift it here fairly soon. What am I saying? Before the football season, I think yeah. next fall, from a recruiting standpoint, is at least going to be quasi normal. Yeah. Um. I guess real quick around the league, you you do, you do a, a national podcast. You talk to other people. I know you've you've kind of started building a, a network of sources. Who who are the winners and the losers in the SEC? Well, 
Spoiler alert, Alabama. No. Probably gonna win the uh the recruiting title this year. Um Georgia didn't have a great season on the field this year, but Kirby Smart and them have, have done a nice job. Uh, they're still a top five class right now. Um, LSU, again, all jokes aside, recruiting like gangbusters. Um, and then Florida, I think, pleasantly surprised a ton of people. Um, they're a top ten class right now. Outside of that, you've got A&M and Tennessee that were both top 15. Looking at the rivals team rankings right now, that's it. Ole Miss is right there behind them, so that would put them at, what, seventh in the conference? Um, I mean, in a COVID-abbreviated cycle with no official visitors and no face-to-face, I mean, that's about as good as you can ask for. Um, we talked about the really, you know, they really only missed on two guys. I don't know if you would count Deion Smith as a miss. I I don't know if I would, but I would. that's three. So, I mean, I, I told you, before we started, you know, it's a pretty much a drama-free day. Yeah, which is what you want. You want drama-free. Yeah, yeah. before anybody gets angry, I can just tell you that Deion Smith was very high on that board, and they really wanted him and um, would have viewed viewed that flip as maybe the the happiest of of all flips. They, they, by the end, really wanted Deion Smith. So to say that that wasn't a miss would be disingenuous. It was. It was a miss. They, they. Oh, they tried. Yeah, they tried. I, they, I, I think, I think in hindsight, there's a, a a wish that perhaps they'd worked that one even harder. But that's a little bit of a pandemic thing, also, and and um, they would have been able to work it harder otherwise. LSU had a jump start on it and and um, and got it. Good for them. I mean, look, say what you want about Ed Orgeron, say what you want about LSU and 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 this season and all that. They're still recruiting at a really high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit on the show. Missouri had a good class for, for Missouri standards. So they were like twentieth, uh, twenty. Yeah. Arkansas uh, at twenty second. Yeah, but I, 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 I looked at Arkansas's class, and when you look at it, it, it doesn't pop off the page much. Missouri's has some giddy up to it that you can see. You yeah. Can, he, he he brought some talent in. I'm not, five four stars. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think about Arkansas's class, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Auburn way down. Oh. I've been in some scary spot right now where you could get passed by. You could, you could get passed here pretty quick if you're not careful. Um, you might have to go to page two for South Carolina. Yeah, they, they, there's 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 concern there about where they are. Um, you mentioned yeah. that Jimbo's doing a, a terrific job at A&M. At, what are they, 11th or something like that? So They're 13th. They have 11 four-stars. Yeah, he's <laughs> – don't kid yourself. He's, he's bringing in a really – He's, he's stacking that roster with talent. They're, they're, they're going to be good for years to come. That This is not a flash-in-the-pan deal. I'm not saying they're going to be a championship team or whatnot, but uh, Texas a is going to be really good for years to come. He's, he's building a talented roster. Um, I haven't looked at the East. I, I'm sure Tennessee's back. I'm sure they just loaded with, with players. Um, yeah, they're right ahead of Ole Miss. I was counting, as you were saying, that at average star rating. Um, Ole Miss is top 20 in that as well. Uh, Tennessee's... 14th they have eight four stars um Ole Miss though 23 right now seven four stars 3.26 average star rating um I haven't done the math yet on what it would look like if they were to add Byron Young Malik McLean Quay Davis and Taiwan Malone but that I think that'd get them close to a top 15 but yeah a, a top 20 is look it's, this year is a, is, a, is a victory I mean it, yeah it, you know, I mean, if, if you're looking at first-year coaches, body of work, and what they've done in recruiting, 
I, here's, it speaks some volumes for Keith Carter here as I just kind of pass out commendations. His backup was Elijah Drinkwitz, and, and we can talk about him being whatever, kind of a weird guy or a nerd or what whatnot. Pretty good football coach. He's got them on the cusp of a six and four season and uh, a top 20 recruiting class. Yeah. I think if you had told Mizzou a year ago, hey, this guy's going to win six out of 10 SEC games and he's going to uh, get you a top 20 recruiting class in year one, you'd have been like, oh, wow, yeah, done. And uh, yeah. for people like me that, that really thought Lane Kiffin was the answer at Ole Miss, at least to jumpstart the program, whether he's here for seven years or just two or three, uh, I feel pretty good about that pick right now, Jack. I do because he's uh, in a in a pandemic year where you couldn't recruit in person. They're going to get really close to the top fifteen, and uh, they've got an opportunity on Saturday to have a winning season and go to a, a New Year's. I guess it'd be a New Year's Day or January second bowl game, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think if you had told Ole Miss fans. A year ago, when the uh, when the Egg Bowl ended, hey, you're you're going to have a winning season next year and and um, a top fifteen recruiting class, and and you're going to play a New Year's Bowl. They people would have said, "What drugs are you using, and where can I get them?" Yeah, I mean, top twenty class, above five hundred, beat both state and LSU, play tight with Alabama, be in it in game one against Florida. You're taking that. It's one of the things. It's you're kind of stealing the thunder from my column on Saturday. Damn it! Um, No, it's okay. Uh, The blowouts are over. Yeah, no one blew them out. They played Florida respectably. Played Alabama incredibly respectfully. Uh, They kind of gave Auburn gave Arkansas a game. To to Arkansas's credit, they took it. If anybody thinks I'm knocking the hogs, I'm, I'm not. They they yeah. They forced the turnovers, made the turnovers, converted when they had to. They won the game. Um, and then Auburn's probably the one that Lane loses sleep over. It's it's very clearly the one that bothers him. It's very clearly the one that bothers him. It's it's funny that that's the one that, that bothers him, but it is. It's you yeah. you can tell that's the one that eats him up at night. Is Auburn? Because yeah, you say you know everybody knows the guy touched it on the kickoff, but the early red zone turnover yeah. and then. You know, and look, credit to Auburn. They forced them out of their game plan, and Ole Miss made an adjustment and ran the football, and they were effective. But, yeah, it, it's kind of one of those if they had one more minute on the clock. Emeline's a little irritated with the contact tracing for that game. It, it, it cost them some. As we, yeah. I mean, you know, we're kind of getting away from recruiting here for a second. But that's, that's the one that bothers him because I think he looks at that. And he talked about the momentum that happened late. I kind of think he looks back and goes, we would have started the momentum earlier if they'd beaten Auburn. Yeah, and then we That's hadn't even, a little. Right, we hadn't even touched on uh, on the A&M game. If A&M doesn't, doesn't duck them because Kellamon can't play, who knows what happens. And you, even, if you, even if you lose, I think they would have played them in a good game. And that's just, like you said, more momentum, more national relevancy of, you know, hey, like you said, nobody's blowing them out. Nobody's kneeling inside the 10-yard line on this Ole Miss team. And then they benefited when the second game, the, the rescheduled game, got yep. postponed. And, I, and he talked about this. And I think they would have liked to have played the game. Absolutely. But I think they benefited because they turned it into an official visit weekend on, on, on Zooms. Uh, all right, last uh, couple of things here, Zach. Um, 
how much work have you done in the 2022 class? When will those chicks begin? I'm, I'm assuming tomorrow morning, bright and early, we'll launch into 2022 chicks in the countdown to, to December of, of... I'm going to do a live mailbag by myself on Christmas Day. Starting around 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Good, good till noon. Yeah, that, that's going to be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all jokes aside, 2022 is going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to... They're gonna they're gonna be going after some big big prospects and look if they beat LSU on Saturday and I don't know about you I, I got to get my picks in been busy today but I think they beat LSU um, I haven't decided but I think so yeah I need to look I'm, at the weather I'm a little I'm a little Ben good, yeah. Ben Wentz had me uh, had me weather worried I, here's my thing and maybe giving away my pick here but I'm I'm very very uh, weary of, of how how up can LSU get for this game because they put a lot into that Florida game. Are they going to be able to get back up? Are they going to be able to come come down off that emotional high and then get back up for Ole Miss? Because, um, look, I mean, that was a big win for them, but they're still a mess. And they had a big day today recruiting, but Lord knows there's off-the-field stuff circling in Baton Rouge right now. Rain and on uh, Saturday, sixty percent chance of rain. Uh, showers developing later in the day. A high of sixty-nine, so that'll be nice. Yeah, well, LSU has the worst pass defense in the conference. So, last time I checked, Matt Corral and them can throw it around a little bit. Um, oh, rather the ball be dry. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a little bit better than high school ball. They're going to have plenty of footballs that they can get in and out. They're probably going to rotate them every play, but. And look, I, I said it earlier with the with the run game. Don't sleep on on Ole Miss running the football, and they're number one in the SEC in rushing. So um, if they have to get down and dirty, it's that that type of game. Who wants it more? I, I don't know about you, Neil, but I kind of question if LSU really wants it. And the body language the past couple weeks outside of the fourth quarter in Gainesville. It's been pretty pathetic for for the Tigers, so it, that's going to be. And I kind of feel like Lane really, really, really wants this one. I do too. All right, last thing, I think launching into twenty the twenty twenty two class, I do think the goal of this next class is to put together that first championship caliber class to build on this to to get into the top ten in in the rankings to start making that move. I don't think this is going to be super patient. I think you're going to see that approach in the transfer portal. I expect a really aggressive recruiting effort from from these guys going into the next class. One of the things that he said today that was interesting, though, is he doesn't really think much about early commits. They don't matter to him whether he gets them or somebody else gets them. I actually think he sort of likes this stalking from behind perspective on recruiting and so, I, but bottom line is, I think it's going to be a really good year to be at RebelGlobe.com and and uh, with us at at the uh, South Rebel Podcast because I think it's going to be a lot of fireworks, a lot more fireworks in 2021 than there were in 2020. Yeah, they they can really start things off with a bang in February with Taiwan Malone, and then just kind of use that as a as a uh, as a jump start into 2022. I think yeah, they're going to go big, you know. I'd, I'd have to look and see what five stars they're in on. I know a couple. I mean, if you want a name, you know, Walter Nolan up the road in Memphis is probably the the five star. I think they have a legitimate shot at. But yeah, but yeah, they're 
big game hunting and we always use that term that that's going to be it it's going to be some some big names they're going to try to get a top 10 class all right so you'll have uh you'll be you'll be wrapping up some of the stories with the, the, the remaining guys that are out there and then we'll we'll take a little break here around the soft verbal and um get back to it sometime in probably in january there's not a lot to talk about in the next two weeks uh, we, unless there's a reason to have some sort of an emergency quick little soft verbal podcast at which point we'll throw one together but um hey great work all jokes aside you uh, i don't think too many people know just how hard you you worked on this how many times you're on the phone all the things that you did we were really we were really prepared for uh, for today, thanks to your um, your foresight and getting ahead. So uh, great work. Hope you enjoy Appreciate a little bit of a break over the holidays. Merry Christmas to you and uh, your wife and the little one. Hope Santa Claus brings a sack load of toys. Speaking of your sack full, your daily sack full. Santa <laughs> yeah. brings a sack full. He's got too many toys. We don't we don't need we don't need any more. Yeah, something tells me he's going to get more. Yeah. All right, um, we'll uh, we'll see you later. Thanks. So that was Zach Barry. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll uh, wrap up the Soft Verbal podcast there. Again, don't forget Dead Soxy Holiday Code. Holiday Pro is the code. 35% off. Probably ought to jump on that now because it's the 16th. My ULM math tells me that gives you nine days. So you better hustle. Uh, we will have a uh, hand raise guys tomorrow night. Chase Parr, I'm going to be back in here. And uh, we'll take your calls. We'll talk for a while, see what's going on, get you ready for LSU and Ole Miss. We'll have programming all day on Saturday and uh, scoreboard business at 1230. We'll have stuff before that. We'll replay this, for example, and um, get you coverage for the regular season finale, Ole Miss and LSU. Ole Miss just put out a a thing about bowls, so they're going to find out their bowl destination Sunday. So we'll uh, we'll be talking about that as well. So until, uh, until tomorrow night. Hope you enjoyed the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. Don't forget, deadsoxy.com. Holiday Pro is the uh, promo code. So uh, thanks for being here. Hope you enjoyed National Signing Day. Until next time, take care.